0: The school is out. Which means it's time for High Kids. This is Chai Kids, Four Kids, Five Kids. My name is Biria Katz and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Chai Kids Today, I'll be interviewing Rabbi Katz and we will be talking about all things Hanukkah. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Chai FM to learn more. Get ready for a very exciting show on Chai Kids Today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. My name is Burger Katz and I'm 12 years old. I have Rubber Katz in studio with me. If you have any questions for him, you can send an SMS to 34519 or you can telegram to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon and wonderful to be with you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you so much for coming. I'm really interested in talking about Hanukkah. I think Hanukkah is one of the Chagim that we have that is not uh, used to its full potential because, I don't know, it's holidays and everyone's doing their own thing and you just quickly go and light the menorah and then you run away and do your own little game. whenever no one really does it properly. So I think it's very important to find out more about what Hanukkah actually means.
1: Wonderful. Okay, so one of the other things is that people who travel from overseas can't get used to the idea that Hanukkah occurs in this place in the summer. Hanukkah is supposed to be in the winter. And if you think about it then, you're lighting the Hanukkah menorah at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, then it's snowing and it's cold outside and so on. And somehow, unfortunately, Hanukkah around the world has become kind of bracketed in the same way as some of the non-Jewish festivals that occur more or less at the same time, and therefore it sort of became, um, and maybe that's what you were alluding to actually in your introduction there, that it, it became um, sort of the Jews' apology for not celebrating something else, and nothing could really be further from the truth. Hanukkah is the most beautiful, brilliant, wonderful chag. It is not a chag as in the sense of like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur or Sukkot and so on, because we are allowed to drive and we're certainly allowed to light fire because that's the whole uh, thing of the Hanukkiah, of the Hanukkah menorah and um, everything that's involved with it. And, of course, it um, really celebrates a very, very deep and profound and beautiful message. And the beautiful message that it conveys is that if we think about it, the reason... For the story of Hanukkah, the reason why we have this Hanukkah festival in the first place is because we're celebrating the very depth of Judaism, Torah and our mitzvot, because it was the Assyrian Greeks who thought of something unique. They didn't want to come and destroy Jerusalem, destroy the temple. You know, it's an amazing thing. If you think about it, Buria, the, in, um, in world powers, the world powers who ever became um, people who wanted to dominate the world, whether it was the Babylonians or it was the Romans or it was uh, the um, uh, anybody, who, the Persians and so on, they always seemed to have had a fixation on destroying Jerusalem, destroying the temple. The Assyrian Greeks had a different idea. They said, you know what? We don't have to burn the temple to, to the ground. We don't have to destroy Jerusalem. If we can take away the holiness that the Jewish people have attached To those places and those things. If we can show that the power of the physical, of the body, is more than the power of the soul, then we will have achieved something. And so what they wanted to do was they wanted to try and get rid of a spiritual connection that Jews had with their Torah, with our uh, Yiddishkeit, with our uh, candles, with our menorah, with all of those things. They said, you know, if we just make it like anything else, that's what we really want to set out to, to prove. And the whole story of Hanukkah was really overthrowing this onslaught, this attack that came against Am Yisrael, against the Jewish people, and against Israel itself. This attack was something that maybe was even more sinister and even more difficult to deal with and cope with than the actual onslaught, the actual attack, where they came at us and said, listen, we want to destroy your buildings and your bodies. Here they wanted to really destroy our souls.
0: It's actually it's true because it's, it's it's a lot cleverer of the Greeks because when you're trying to destroy someone's inner beliefs and ethical whatever's, um, they it's slow little little steps that you you won't really notice. It's not like an outright here's a sword we want to kill you where you'll actually know what's going on. With what the Greeks were doing, it was small little tiny steps and they weren't actually consciously aware of what was happening to them.
1: Absolutely, and really what they really wanted to do was they wanted to make us just like everybody else. They didn't like this idea that some people have a spiritual connection uh, through the Torah and that some people don't. The idea that they want to do or what they wanted to try and prove or bring about was that everybody is exactly the same. Nobody has spiritual connections. Stop giving me this um, stuff that you're preaching, that there is a spiritual connection with anything, that there is a, a deeper, a soul connection with everything, with anything. No, it's about body. It's about physical. It's about material. That's it. And you'll see that the oil That you're trying to burn will burn exactly the same way if it has got a holiness attached to it. And if it doesn't, it's going to burn exactly the same way. That was what they wanted to try and convey. So it was to try and take our souls away, to try and take our spirituality away, to take the kedusha, the holiness away. That's what they focused on. And the big triumph of this festival, therefore, is maybe even deeper. In a way, if you think about it, than any of the other triumphs, you know, if we celebrate, um, all the other things, getting out of Egypt or the uh, festival of Purim and so on, there our, our bodies were on the line, there our, our, um, our physical was on the line, maybe as much as our souls. But here, this was, as you said, clever, cunning, um, conniving kind of a, of an onslaught to get at the soul of Judaism, at the soul of the Jewish people. And therefore, the victory in a spiritual sense maybe should be and should be thought about as being even greater.
0: Definitely. Also, Hanukkah is quite different from all the other Chagim. All the other Chagim, we celebrating being alive from the persecution that we faced as Jews. Let's say on Purim, the reason why there's all these physical things, Mishlach is that you eat it, there's a mitzvah to get drunk, it's all these physical things is because we're celebrating that we weren't killed we're not celebrating our spiritual self we're celebrating our actual bodies so we yeah we're celebrating our bodies so we Mm. use our bodies so
1: if you think about it then how do we celebrate Hanukkah Uh, in a
0: spiritual way with with light With light. with light
1: light is is the one thing that maybe is the best example Of um, spirituality, in a way, in this world, it's a physical entity, but it's not really physical. If you think about the flame that burns on a candle, the candle itself is physical; it's got, it's tangible. You can touch it. There's the wax, there's the wick, and so on. The flame is something unique. It is something very, very different. Let's give just a a way out. It way out sort of an example. (coughs) Have you ever thought about it? That if you take a a flame, um, no matter which way you turn it. It always points upwards. The flame, if you turn a candle upside down, the flame reaches up and goes upwards. So they, they, our mystical masters talk about the fact that the flame is actually reaching to its source. Now your soul and my soul, our souls do that as well. We imitate that idea of a flame. It is something that's not as tangible. It's not as touchable. It's not physical. And yet it shows us, it demonstrates something much higher. What is it? Where is it? The flame is there, it combusts, it burns, um, the wick disintegrates, the wax gets used up, that's the fuel that drives it. But the flame itself has kind of got a spiritual connotation to it. And yes, flames can be <coughs> very dangerous, God forbid, can burn something down. But flames can be very, very inspiring. It can bring light. It can light up darkness. And that really is the mission, is the idea of this Chag, of this festival. Chanukah is all about lighting up the world, about bringing light into things, and about celebrating our souls. Um, and what better way than to do it by lighting the lights of the menorah?
0: Definitely. Another beautiful idea that I heard about a flame is if you take a match, let's say you have a flame on candle, right? Now you take a match and you put it in the... In the flame. Now the match is going to come alight and it's going to have its own flame. And you're going to take it away and now there's going to be two flames. But it doesn't take away from the first flame.
1: Absolutely. They say a
0: cake. You cut a piece out of cake, now there's less cake. But you can never take away fire.
1: Beautiful. You can keep on lighting. You can light millions of flames from one flame and it doesn't diminish that flame itself. Only time uh, and the wax being worn away will diminish. But the actual flame... It's just as strong as it was before. So it's an image, an analogy for our souls. The idea of you can create more and more and more light without losing that light yourself. You can energize, you can, you can infuse, you can excite other people with your Torah, with your Yiddishkeit, with your mitzvot and so on. You can get millions of other people to do it. it doesn't take anything away from you.
0: Exactly. If you teach people Torah, if you carefully take away from you. It's it, not like I give you a smile now, I have one less smile. It's like it doesn't work like that.
1: Correct. Absolutely. That is the beautiful analogy, the beautiful image of the concept of a flame.
0: So I think also what we were talking about before at the very beginning of this interview is that people don't really utilise Hanukkah as they should because they don't really realise what it means. And I think also maybe it's because we're used to. Celebrating our bodies and our physical part of us and having meals, Yom tef, normally the Chagim, we are with our families and we have beautiful meals and yes, there's a very spiritual depth to it, but it's not the same as Hanukkah. You know, there's no such thing as like a Hanukkah su'uda.
1: I think there's something else that maybe you're touching on, which is, uh, which is, which is important, and that is, that you know, a lot of people have often spoken about important. Or big festivals and small festivals. And they sometimes talk about, oh, this is a, and you may have heard the word before, a minor Jewish festival. In Torah thought, in uh, Judaism, there's no such thing as a minor festival. There's no such thing as a small mitzvah, as a minor mitzvah. There are, um, we're, we're actually told we've got to be careful that we don't make some things big and some things small, because everything is of paramount importance. Celebrating Hanukkah, as we will be doing in a uh, couple of weeks' time when it comes to the 25th day of Kislev, and we go through those eight days of Hanukkah, celebrating that is of paramount importance, and it can only be celebrated at that time. If you like the Hanukkah, if you like the menorah it uh, in, in, in June or July or whatever, you're really accomplishing nothing. There is an idea of, from a Jewish point of view, of doing the right things in the right times and in the right way. And making sure that all of these things are proper and taken care of correctly. And it's not, well, okay, for this one I was a bit too busy, so that I'm leaving out. This one I'm on holiday, so I'm not doing that now. And um, that one uh, comes at an inconvenient time. Oh, who made a yom for chag on a Friday? You know, like I can't do Fridays or whatever it is. That's not how it works. This is something that is set from a much higher um, source, from our Torah, from Hashem himself. And these are all things that we do in the right time. These are how they're celebrated. And there's no such thing as a minor festival. This is a major festival. It doesn't have the same rules and regulations. Maybe, yeah, we don't eat apples and honey because it's not Rosh Hashanah. And we don't blow the shofar because it's not Rosh Hashanah. And we don't um, eat matzah because it's not Pesach. But we do light the menorah. And we do say the special tfilot, the special prayers that we're supposed to say. And we do celebrate it in the most incredible fashion. And there is a little bit of a kind of a suda that is eaten. We eat certain foods, foods perhaps that are are fried in oil um, to bring out the concept of the oil. Um, There is a whole thing about eating milk foods because part of the miracle was with milk foods. There are certain beautiful and wonderful things. And yes, we're supposed to get together with our families and have a jolly good time um, at the time that our menorah is burning. And think at, look at the miracles that those flames represent and think about the miracles that Hashem makes for us every day of our lives.
0: Exactly, and this was, with this understanding that we have that Hanukkah is actually a major festival, after our song break we're going to discuss of how the, the different customs that we have and different things that we do on Hanukkah actually have a very deep meaning. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. My name is Berea Katz and I'm 12 years old. Before I carry on with my interview with Rabbi Katz, we are. We're still talking about Hanukkah. You can send your questions for him to three four five one nine. And I'm also reminding you of the time to Is it is now? We ca- now we come to ticks and tocks, sir. Try to say this, Mister Knox, sir. If you didn't get that, I'm going to say it again. Now we come to ticks and tocks, sir. Try to say this, Mister Knox, sir. A very long one. I don't think I'll even be able to say it once in ten seconds, but we'll try. And I also have a general knowledge question to challenge your thinking, which is, where in the world can you find a one-hump camel? And can you guess the name? Send your answers to 34519 as an SMS, or you can telegram to 61 If you have any questions for my guest, Rubber Cats, you can send them to 34519, or you can telegram me to 61 You can even call on 010-140-3020 to see if you can say the time twister faster than me. Remember it is. Now we come to ticks and tocks, sir. Try to say this, Mr. Knox, sir. Okay, now we're going to carry on with our interview. So before the song break, we were talking about how Hanukkah is not really used properly, and we discussed a lot of reasons why. So now that we have that understanding that it's not a mana chag, it's actually a a major chag, like a lot of people misunderstand, can you tell us how some of the traditions and the customs that we have on Hanukkah actually connect to the story?
1: Well, let's first of all talk about the main one, which is, as we have referred to, the lighting of the menorah. The lighting of the menorah is something that celebrates the miracle of the oil, the oil that the... Assyrian Greeks, they didn't want to destroy. They wanted to defile. They broke the seals. They said, we're going to make this that this oil cannot be used in the menorah. Or we're going to prove to you that the oil will burn just as well if it has the seal, if it doesn't have the seal. So they didn't have to pour it out and they didn't have to burn it and they didn't have to destroy it. All they had to do, all they wanted to do was break the seal and say, you see, we've taken away the Kedusha. We've taken away the holiness from this oil. And now... We're going to prove our point that any oil is good for the menorah. Now, halachically speaking, any good would have been, any oil would have been good for the menorah. They could have used it, but the Jews stuck to their guns. They said, we are not going to use any oil other than the oil that's got the seal of the Kohen Gadol. And they managed to find one jar. And as you know, that one jar of oil, which should have lasted for one day, lasted for eight. Now, why eight? Because that was how long it took for them to manufacture new, fresh, Olive oil, which had to be made from the, um, the, the the first drop of oil that's taken from the olive, they needed that oil to be be burning in the in the Beit Hamikdash, and they had to have the seal of the Kohen Gadol. So we celebrate Hanukkah by lighting the menorah for eight days to celebrate and to commemorate and to demonstrate and to show the um, the power of that miracle, that that miracle really wasn't just. That the oil burned for eight days, but the miracle showed the power of Jews wanting to do the absolutely right thing in the holiest possible fashion, in the best of the best, in the most positive and most beautiful way, and that's really what we celebrate there. So we light the menorah each night, and we kind of point to the the menorah, and we say, look, look at the miracles that we have with this oil, with Hanukkah, but moreover, With proving that there is a God in the world, with proving that there is a Kedusha, there is a holiness, with proving that Hashem makes miracles for us. One of the other famous things that we do on uh, Hanukkah is we play with a a dreidel, You play with a Sivivon. And um, there are many, many different ideas behind it. Um is it gambling? Isn't it gambling? How do we play? Um, is it a kid's uh, game? So it's a spinning top and it has four letters written on it and it says Nes Gadol Hayasham or if you're in Israel it says Nes Gadol haya po. Oh. That we have those letters and it spins around. Now, just one idea. We're not going to be able to get to all the ideas of the Sivivon, as it's known in Hebrew, or the dreidel as it's known in Yiddish, or the spinning top, as it's known <laughs> in English. Um, but we are going to be able to just say that, you know, when you spin a top, um, and um, you have the whole world spinning around you kind of thing, you have um, a, the point of the, um, of the top is on the ground, and the the um, stick of it is pointing upwards. When we are anchored on the ground and we are reaching for Hashem, no matter what goes on around us, um, actually doesn't detract us. It doesn't um, hurt us, but it keeps us. Spinning in the right direction, so to speak. The idea of this uh, top designed in the way that it is, maybe, is to demonstrate that, you know what, we've got to be firmly rooted on the ground. Yes, we've got to know where we're going and what we're doing and to keep to our laws and our traditions and all of those things. But we ultimately need to be pointing upwards like that dreidel, pointing upwards. And then no matter how quickly everything um, revolves around us and no matter how quickly the world around us seems to be going crazy, as long as we are firmly rooted, we will be spinning in the right direction. There's also the idea of eating um, latkes, of eating uh, latkes in uh, in in our tradition and in uh, in Israel, of course, sufganiot or donuts. But it's all the idea of um, uh, of, of, of 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 something fried in oil. Now the interesting thing is if we take a look back, and I'm not sure if this is completely the idea, but if we take a look back to the manna that fell in the desert, the mon that fell in the desert for our our forefathers to eat when we came out of Mitzrayim, when we came out of Egypt, you know that if you look carefully at many of the Mephorishim, many of the commentators on what that manna was actually like, they say that it tasted kitzapichit bidevash, it tasted the, the, the meforshim tell us that it was like uh, wafers in honey. But you know that Rashi brings there and he says that actually it was like a dough that's fried in oil. And it's something like the uh, expression that he uses makes us think of a donut. like a donut. Or in this country a cook sister maybe. <laughs> that, that that's what it is. And it's soaked in oil. Now, it's soaked in, in honey. So a sweet donut or whatever is actually something that's got to do I think with you know, going all the way back to the manor in the in the desert, so yes it's not the most uh, f- um, slimming food and it's not <laughs> going to be on everybody's diet um uh, to keep away from all the things we want to stay away from from fatty foods and oils and uh, cholesterol and all that sort of stuff, but there is something about it that has got a flavor that kind of has um, been sown through all of. Uh, Torah and all of Yiddishkeit why did we get out of Egypt in the first place Hashem made great miracles Hashem has continued to make miracles for us in the most incredible fashion always and not the least of which was how we celebrate and how we think about Hanukkah where there was this great miracle now one of the other things of course that we don't really celebrate is the fact that there was a military victory there was a war Remember, Yehuda Maccabi and his uh, band of men, um, got together and they, uh, managed to, um, uh, re- to, to get rid of them and to chase them out of the country. Now, I don't know if you know Bruria, but uh, I don't know if your listeners know, maybe it would have been a good question. Yeah. Where does the name Maccabi come from? Where does the name Maccabi come from? Why were they called? Why was he called Yehuda Maccabi? You know that it comes Ooh, it's from, Interesting. It comes from me, Kamocha, Ba'elim Hashem who is like you in the in the in the realms of God and godliness, they were holy men. These guys, Yehuda Maccabee and his band of men, they weren't uh, dynamically trained uh, uh, fighters. They weren't troops who had been uh, who had been to uh, to, to uh, you know through all the all the physical uh, um, training that was needed to be the strong guys. They weren't that at all. These were uh, Yeshiva Bachrim. These were guys who were sitting and learning Torah. And they were inspired by their spirituality to the point that they could actually overcome everything and anything. And once again, it's the same theme. The idea of what is really the power of us as individuals. Is it my body? I think not. It's my soul. It's my power that's within me. It's my neshama. It's my connection to Hashem. Those are the things that drive us forward. And it's at the time of Hanukkah that we have to pause for a moment and think about that. The miracle of the military victory was only because of the spirituality that it involved.
0: So this is all very interesting that you've been telling me. I didn't know a lot of a, a lot of it, especially the thing you said about the dreidel that you're always pointing upwards, and no matter what's going on around you, you'll still stay centered. That's very interesting. I've never heard of that. It actually reminds me. You said that the top, you know, is pointing upwards. Just reminds me because my mom uh, one time taught us how to spin the dreidel upside down. But so then, that just defeats the whole purpose.
1: Well, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, because if you think about it, you still, you still have depend, a point, yeah. And it, yeah, that's right, and it depends, depends what, what you want to see as the top and the, you know, sometimes, sometimes in this life, don't we have to turn our world upside down? Um, from a, from a, from a Torah point of view, from a Jewish point of view, the world says, um, everything was run this way. We as Jews sometimes say, No, that's Dafka, we must do the opposite. We've got to do it the other way. Why? Because um
0: We Jews. That's what we do.
1: That's right. And and you think about it, I mean here we are on the southern tip of Africa. Um, and the question was asked many, many times over thousands of years, you know, how is it possible we're down here at the bottom of Africa? Why don't we fall off? If the world is, is round, why don't we fall off? Because and the answer actually is scientifically gravity on a, but on a ball, there's no top and bottom. If you take a ball, the the Earth is round, right? The the globe, there's no top and bottom. It's just the way we portray it. We picture it that way. But who says this is not the top? Um, true. It, everywhere is the top. Everywhere is because it's a ball. It's round. It keeps on keeps on rotating. And much like that, the dreidel also. Where's the top? Where's the bottom? Doesn't really matter.
0: It's true. <laughs> and also, you were saying that uh, about the Yeshiva Bachrim, basically that fort in be alongside him. Um so I had, I heard this year that when Mashiach comes, it's not gonna be the strong fathers that fight, fa- they said that there's gonna be a big war before Mashiach, and then, there's a lot of different opinions, but most opinions said that there's gonna be a big war before Mashiach. So there's gonna be all the, all the Yeshiva barim, all the people who learn at Yeshiva, they're gonna be the fathers, not the military-trained soldiers who,
1: well, I'm, not sure, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if we say that it's going to be to the exclusion of. I think that, I think that we need both, but we, we as Jews need to remember that our real strength, and we think about it even today, so you think about, uh, you think about the, the real power of um, of, uh, of 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 Eretz HaKodesh, of Israel. you think of the real power in some of the military victories that we've seen there, even over the last uh, 70, 80 years, great and wondrous and incredible things. Um, we would be foolish not to acknowledge. That there's been a power and a force um, at play there that is much, much uh, th- th- that's much stronger, much more powerful than just our physical, mental know-how or our military might. There is something about Hashem being on our side that has really made us triumphant in all of those battles, and I think that um, probably the the, the the Israeli army are the first ones to acknowledge that.
0: Definitely. <laughs> um, also, I was I, I want to ask you something that. I've thought about it often, I have gotten some answers, but we light a menorah. When we light on Chanukah, we light our menorah or Chanukiah, and it's, um, it has a shamish in the middle on the side, which is an extra tall branch, and it has four other branches. But that's not how the menorah in the base Hamigdash was. And if the miracle happened with the oil lasting for eight days instead of one in the base Hamigdash, why don't our menorahs today look like that?
1: Very, very nice question. Very good. I think that the menorah was designed, our modern menorah. By the way, there's a whole discussion about whether it's called a menorah or a chanukia. The chanukia is the name that was given in modern Israel to the eight-branched candelabra. They wanted to differentiate between what you're asking about, the one that was in the Beit HaMikdash, and the one that we use now. And therefore, they invented a word. By the way, it was an invented word only for modern Israel. And then the last uh, 80, 90, 100 years that that word was ever invented, to describe the Hanukkah menorah. They called it a Chanukia. That was the way that they described it. If you go all the way back in um, Jewish uh, writings of halakha, Jewish law, Aruch, and so on, it refers to a menorah. It refers to the idea of lighting a candelabra. The idea of um, of of um, of the 8 versus the 7 is number one. That it was eight days and therefore it's convenient in the way that we do it. Number two, we maybe want to try and avoid pretending that we're lighting the menorah that was in the Beit HaMikdash. So we made it a little bit different. Maybe that's another idea. And number three, um, and probably most importantly, is that the number seven is a number that is tied up with nature. The number eight is something that goes one beyond nature. If we think about it everything in the natural order of things runs in the number 7, 7 days in the week, 7 uh, years in the in the in the cycle of the schmitta year and so on. The number 8 has got everything to do with being beyond the natural, something that's above and beyond the natural, one extra. And maybe that's why the miracle had to Dafka be with 8 days rather than with 7.
0: I'm very glad I asked that question because it's often something that I wonder about, and I have gotten some answers, but it's very nice to hear a good, solid answer. And I have one last question for you before we unfortunately have to wrap up the show. Is why are, There's a there's a custom that we have that we light the menorah, and for half an hour after that, women aren't allowed to do their – I mean, they shouldn't do their ordinary work. So can you tell me why this is?
1: There was a um, – so this, the, the Jewish law tells us that the women were the ones actually – Under the Assyrian Greeks who suffered the most Um, Women were abused by the Assyrian Greeks As they had been by many marauding uh, soldiers and armies and so on Women in that part of the world and in those times Were uh, very much second class citizens They were looked down upon They were um, things that could be taken and abused and used To the delight or otherwise of Um, The Assyrian Greek soldiers Or any of those other marauding troops Who came and tried to conquer Israel The women suffered tremendously But it was because of The women taking up the Fight, so to speak, from a spiritual point of view, that actually we were trium- triumphant in the first place. There's the famous story of the daughter of the Kohen Gadol, who was instrumental in really, really overthrowing the the leader of uh, the Assyrian Greeks in Yerushalayim. She killed, she killed him. Now, so the, so women, therefore, it says that although um, many mitzvot women are, especially when they're time bound, they're excluded from not, they don't have to do them. When it comes to the menorah, Hanukkah, women have to have the lighting of the menorah just like men do. They don't actually have to do it, but not, not everybody in the family has to do it. They've got to actually see it. They've got to be part of it. And the, the idea of them taking off time and sitting at the menorah is to really show that they value the reason or they value the result of the fact that Hashem saved us and really saved the women in an even bigger and stronger way than saving the men.
0: So in short, the reason why they... They almost get this break from their work is because they were instrumental in the miracle.
1: And, and that they, that they want to go out of their way to show that for that period of time, they are really going to keep that time when the menorah burns as a proper Yom Tith, like Shabbos, like Rosh Hashanah, like Yom Kippur. We're saying this is our time. This is our special time because we could have been and we were most affected by the, by, the, by, by, by the story. And had God not come to our salvation, um, we wouldn't be around to tell the tale.
0: It's really very interesting. I think it's a very good point to know. And I really hope that from what we've been talking about, what I've been talking about with rabba Katz, you, my listener, have um, learned a lot about Hanukkah and hopefully this year will mean a lot more to you than it did last year. And after the song break, we're going to do the time twister, which is a very hard one, if I might remind you. And you can now call on 010-140-3020 to see if you can say the Tank Twister faster than me. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for kids Bar Kids. My name is Brugger Katz and I'm 12 years old. Are you ready for the Tank Twister? This is how it works. You can call us on 10 140 three oh two oh and I will count how many times you can say the time twister to in just ten seconds. Just a reminder that the general knowledge question is where on earth would you find a one humped camel? And can you guess what it is called? You can send your S SMS to three four five one nine or you can telegram to O six one eight nine five one oh one nine. You can call me now on O one O one four. 3020 to see if you can say the tank twister faster than me. A reminder of what the tank twister is. It is. Now we come to ticks and tocks, sir. Try to say this, Mr. Knox, sir. Well, I hope I'll be able to say it once. Let's try. 3-0-2-0. Two, one, go. Now we come to Tix and Toxer, try to say this Mr. Noxer. Now we come to Tix and Toxer, try to say this Mr. Noxer. Now we come to Tixantoxer, try to say this Mr. Noxer. Now we come to Tix and Toxer, try to say this Mr. Noxer. Now we come to Tix and Toxer, try to say this Mr. Noxer. <laughs> wow, what did a five time, guys? I did not think I was gonna be able to do that, so well done to me. And the general knowledge question was where on earth would you find a one humped camel? And can you guess what the name is? The answer is, drum rolls please. The Middle East and North of Africa, and it is called the Arabian Camel. I definitely did not know that. You know, I learn a new thing every day. So thank you so much to everyone who listened. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Chakids, For Kids, Kids by Kids. My name is Maria Kat, and I'm your host for today. Thank you so much to my guest, Rabbi Katz, for coming on the show teaching me more about Hanukkah you really gave me a new depth to it and this year when I stand in front of the menorah I'm definitely going to have a new meaning to what Hanukkah actually means and I hope you all got a new meaning to what Hanukkah is actually about so thank you so much Rabbi Katz join us tomorrow for another Kids show only on 101.9 Chai FM this has been Chakids for kids 5Kids